0: Our reading this morning is from Psalm 3. A Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. salvation belongs to the lord your blessing be on your people sila this is the word of the lord
1: thank you chloe well good morning everybody good to see you um, it's good to be back again i had a couple of weeks off there um, on paternity leave, and um, they weren't a holiday um, by any means, but um, it uh, it was lovely to have that time together as a family. We welcomed our third daughter into the world uh, this day three weeks ago, so um, it's a uh, it's been great. We're so thankful to the Lord for our girls and for our family. Um, uh, we do feel at the minute like we're in the trenches a wee bit, surviving, as you do with a newborn baby. Um, but one thing about being in the trenches is it's, it's good to know who's there with you. And we certainly have uh, experienced the, the blessing um, and the joy of knowing that you guys, as our church family, are there with us. Uh, whether that's been through uh, the prayers uh, that you have been praying, whether it's been through the kind messages that you've sent um the, the gifts that you've given to us, to our girls, um, and the food as well that you've given to us. We've had a meal train for the last few weeks, and there's going to be a day of mourning, um, uh, ashes and sackcloth uh, on Saturday because it ends on Saturday. Um, but it's, um, it's been a real blessing, thank you uh, for that, from, really from Jane and I, uh, we are uh, so grateful. Um, it has made us a little bit insecure as well, the train, because there's been more than once that we've been sitting eating something like a spaghetti bolognese or an ice curry, uh, and the girls have both resoundingly said, this is much nicer than we usually have. <laughs> so um, it's been humbling, but um, it's also been great. Thank you uh, for your love and care for us. We're continuing our series for the summer, which is in the book of Psalms, and if you can keep Psalm 3 open in front of you, that's where we're going to be this morning. Now, I want to ask as we get going, wouldn't it be great to have a peace in life that wasn't circumstance-dependent? Wouldn't that be great? Just think about all the places we tend to look for peace in life, money, money and material things. Having that sense of calm when you open your app and see your bank account again. The peace of living in that house that you've always dreamed of having. Maybe it's the sense of peace that you get from being in close relationship with others. Having that group of friends who are always there by your side, keeping your spirits up, always there when you need them. Or the spouse who's your comfort and encouragement, especially in tough times. Or the kids who you just love and you cherish so much. Or maybe you get a sense of peace in life from, from having kind of power and status. The prestige that comes from having a certain job or, or having the power and the influence over people and situations. Or maybe it's the peace that you get, the security that there is uh, from, from knowing uh, just that Things in life, that the way things are going, are very settled for you right now. Life seems to be good. There are lots of different ways that, that we feel that kind of real sense of peace, that tangible sense of peace in our lives. And I'm not suggesting in any way that any of those things are bad things. But what I want to suggest this morning is that all of those things are pretty fragile places to pin all of our hopes for true and lasting peace in life. Because what happens when our circumstances change? What happens when money becomes really tight as the cost of living continues to rise and rise? What do we do when we can't afford that dream house anymore and we maybe have to downsize instead? Or what happens when the house seal falls through and we have to give up on the hopes of that move altogether? What happens when our friend betrays us or our spouse suddenly hurts us? or our child never wants to spend time with us? What happens if we get laid off from our job, or we get those test results that we were never expecting, or someone that's dear to us gets sick and dies? What then? Does our peace in life just evaporate into the ether when times of trouble arrive on our doorstep? So let me ask you again, wouldn't it be great to have a peace in life that wasn't circumstance dependent? In fact, how great would it be if we could have a peace that was strong enough and durable enough to go through even the most difficult of circumstances that we could face in life? A peace that rested on us deep in our soul that stuck around even in dark days. Isn't that something we all would love? Well, as we look at God's word this morning, we're going to discover something of that peace. Because in Psalm 3, David, King David, sings of the peace he has in life right now, despite the fact that he is going through some of the most challenging circumstances he has ever experienced. It's a peace that is real to him. It's a peace that rests on him, a peace that means actually he can lie down in his bed and he can sleep, a peace that that means that he can say, I am not afraid of the future. And it's my hope this morning that as we look at this psalm together, that we see how this peace that he has is a peace that can be ours too, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the same way that David is calling out to God, we can call out to God too. The God of peace who protected and sustained and delivered David in his time of need is the same God who promises to do that for us if we are trusting in Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us as we get going because I feel that I really need God's help this morning. Um, I think we all maybe do just in the heat here to stay awake and to stay alive and listening. Let me pray for us, um, and then we'll get going. Father God, thank you that you are near to us. Thank you that you're a God who knows us, who sees us, all the things that are going on in our lives. You're a God who's with us, who loves us who promises to care for us even through the darkest days that we might experience. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, as we, as we hear what David says in this psalm, Lord, may it encourage us to look to you, to look to you for salvation, to, to look for you, to you for deliverance from our troubles. Lord, thank you for all that you have done for us, the promises that you have made for us in Jesus Christ and how we can trust you, as Ali was saying, because you are perfectly faithful. You will always deliver on what you said. We thank you for your word and we pray you open, open our hearts to you now. Amen. So as we get going here, it's important for us to understand the backstory to this psalm because... David is going through really difficult times. You can maybe sense that as you read it. And that's actually what makes his peace so extraordinary. Um, Look with me at the bit that comes before uh, verse 1. That's called the superscription. You get them in in most of the Psalms. And often we just kind of gloss over them. We don't really read them or, or pay attention to them. But there is... There are times whenever those superscriptions, they actually give us a lot of help and understanding the historical context of the psalm. Do you see what it says at the start of Psalm 3? A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. Now, now, because of time, I don't have loads uh, of time to go into uh, the whole the, the, the story of what went on here, but I'm just going to give you the headlines. But I'd encourage you to go back and read the story for yourself again, if you have time this week, maybe. It's in Second Samuel 15, and it's a fascinating story that, that provides the backdrop to this psalm. See, David is God's anointed king, and he's on the throne in Israel at this time, ruling over God's people. But in 2 Samuel 15, you read of how his son, Absalom, he rises up against him. Quite unexpectedly and quite suddenly, in fact, he instigates this coup against his father to overthrow him and to kill him. This is almost unthinkable as a parent, isn't it? The child you love betraying you, turning everyone against you. David, he must be heartbroken at the moment and as you read all that happens in 2 Samuel 15 you'll see that the whole experience nearly breaks David he has to flee his kingdom in embarrassment and shame, fearing for his life see the circumstances of his life have just been turned on their head that's what's going on as we approach Psalm 3, that's how challenging things are for David right now and look what he says in verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 3 he says, "O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God." Can you see the crescendo of many? Many, many, many are my problems, Lord. Many, many, many are the reasons to be fearful, Lord. And do you see the way he's being tormented by his foes? The people are saying to him, where's your God now, David? You think he's going to save you now? Where is he? He's left you, abandoned you. It's the worst thing that David's enemies could possibly say to him because in his fear and anxiety, in the midst of his loneliness evening, David is being tempted to doubt God's goodness, to doubt that God is really for him and with him. As the preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote, it is the most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God. And I wonder, have you ever been tempted to feel like that? It's a lie that the devil tries to sell to us when we go through difficult times especially. Maybe as, as you sat beside the bed of a, a sick child in hospital, you're being tempted in those moments to think God has abandoned us. Where is God right now? Or as you sit at home alone wrestling with your thoughts, maybe going through some of the lowest days mentally that you've ever experienced, have you ever been tempted in those times to believe that God isn't for you anymore, that he isn't there with you anymore? Peace in those times just seems impossible doesn't it? How does David respond to these accusations that God has left him, that God has abandoned him? What does David do? Look at verse 3. He remembers. He remembers. In the midst of his fears and his troubles, he brings to mind what he knows to be true about his God. But you, O Lord... These must be some of the most precious words in all the Bible. But you, O Lord. Yes, my troubles are many, but you, O Lord. Yes, my son Absalom has many men who want to kill me, but you, O Lord. Yes, my good name is being dragged through the mud, but you, O Lord. And the rest of this psalm in verses 3 to 8 They're really uh, David saying how God has intervened, how he knows that God is with him, what he knows to be true about him. That's what gives him such peace and such hope in spite of the challenging circumstances he finds himself in. I'm looking out on all of you this morning. I know some of you. I don't know all of you. I know some of the challenging circumstances that you find yourselves in right now, but I don't know all of them. But in a room like this, filled with people who are experiencing life as I do, there will be many challenges. Challenges of varying degrees of intensity, yes. Challenges that maybe are are long and drawn out. Some maybe that you're right in the epicenter of a crisis in life right now. In approaching this psalm this morning, whatever we're going through, can I encourage you as David does here in Psalm 3, to know that there is a God who sees you in all of your troubles. There's a God who cares for you in all of your troubles. He's a God who offers his peace to you because he tells us elsewhere in the Psalms that he is our refuge and our strength, a very present help when? In times of trouble. It's tempting to look for peace and for help in times of trouble in other places in this world, in alcohol, in consumerism, in the comfort of a relationship. The temptation might even be in those troubles to turn our back on God completely. But can I encourage you this morning, potentially when you're right in the midst of the darkness, look to God. Call out to him. Remember like David what he is like. Remember the promises he has made to you. What does David actually know about his God that gives him such peace? Well, firstly, I've got three things for us. The first thing, he remembers that God promises to be his protector. God promises to be his protector. Look at verses three and four again. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and He answered me from His holy hill. David is comforted in his troubles because he knows that God is, is His protector. A normal shield it would just protect from the front, wouldn't it? Do you see what God, or David says about God? You, O Lord, are a shield all about me, literally all around me. You encompass me in front and behind, on each side and above. Think of it like the the Iron Man suit for all you Avengers fans. This is comprehensive protection. This is complete safety at all times and on all sides. And David also says, God, you are my glory. David may have had a worldwide reputation. He was one of the big shots in his day, a great leader amongst his people. But he acknowledged that any glory that he has is because the Lord has given it to him. The Lord has bestowed it upon him. God is the source of his glory. Which is what David says in another psalm, in in Psalm 62, verse seven, on God rests my salvation and my glory. My rock and my refuge is God. The Lord is also the one who lifts up his head Because he is a restoring God. It's easy to see who the the losing side are in a football match. Manchester United players, they're, they're all the ones with their heads down these days. Bow low. They're discouraged. They're dejected. Defeated. All the time. All the time. And as David fled Absalom, in 2 Samuel 15 verse 30, it tells us that he's going up the Mount of Olives at one point, and he's just weeping And his head is bowed low, it's covered. But David comes to this point as he writes Psalm 3 where he's able to walk around with his head held high. How is that so? It's not because he's full of pride or he's bashful. It's not because he's looking within and thinking, you know, I'm going to puff up my chest here. Things are all right, you know? No. His courage has been restored because he has looked to the Lord, the lifter of his head. He's the one who gives him glory. He's the one who is his protector. And in verse four, he cries out to God to deliver him and to protect him because he knows, he knows that he will answer him in his time of need. But what, what is it that gives David the confidence to know that God will answer him, that God will deliver him? Well, he probably looked back throughout his life, throughout the, ta- the times in his own life where God ha- had lifted him out of the pit and set his feet on a solid rock. He probably looked back through the history of the nation of Israel, his people, when God had heard and answered his people's cry for deliverance. Like the time whenever they were in bondage in Egypt and how God protected them, how he delivered them from their enemies. So as David looked back and remembered his own life, he remembers God's faithfulness. And he was able to rest in the present and look to the future with peace in his heart because he knew God would answer him. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe this week you need to go away and and you need to spend some time just in silence before the Lord, asking him to bring to your mind the ways that he has been faithful to you. Reading in his word of his faithfulness that endures forever as Ali told us. My wife Jane, she's always kept a journal and theres I'm so thankful for it because I, I, I don't and I'm not great at this but, but there every so often that in life we'll just push the pause button and we'll take a bit of time to just read some of the things in that journal and remember together God's faithfulness to us. Trace back through the signs of his goodness and his grace even when we have gone through some of the darkest days in our lives. That word selah, at the end of chapter 4, Chloe did a brilliant job of kind of doing what that word is meant to do, to just pause, to stop and to reflect on what's been said. And so we're going to do that for a moment. If you're a Christian here this morning, God is your protector. He is a shield about you. He is the lifter of your head. He's the one who answers the cries of his people. Take heart. Look to Him. Let's pause for a minute and reflect on that together. The reality is, if we have a big view of God, then our troubles will become much smaller. In our minds but if we have a small view of God our troubles will feel much much bigger and many have experienced this in their own lives many of the, the the great hymn writers of the past they knew something of this and one of my favorite hymns says this "O oh soul are you weary and troubled no light in the darkness you see there's light for a look at the savior and life more abundant and free Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all shall be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. This morning, if you know something of the peace that God gives to us as our protector, there is a world out there that is dying, a world that is looking for someone to help them in their time of need, a world that is crying out but doesn't know where to go. But we know where to go. We know that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I wonder will we go and tell them about him this week even i wonder will the kind of non-anxious presence that we have as we live our lives will that be something that others look at and think why why do they go why do they live like that when they're going through what they're going through we've seen that we can have a peace even in times of trouble when we know that God is our protector Look with me at verse five and six because here David shows us the peace that's found in knowing God as our sustainer. In this desperate situation where enemies are are multiplying all around him, David's dependence on God and his knowledge of who God is allowed him to do two things. Did you see it? Firstly, he sleeps peacefully. I think this is an amazing thing in this psalm because it can be really hard To get good sleep when we're going through difficult times, can't it? I've known this. I'm sure we've all experienced this. When our minds and our hearts are not at peace, we lay our head on the pillow and the worries and the anxieties of this world just whirl around our minds. Our sleep can be really affected. David has every right to be terrified. He he's every right to to stay in, in the corner awake all night. But amazingly, look what he says. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Do you see how he slept? Not through white noise or swaddling. That seems to be the way that we're trying to sleep in our house. Or not, not we, but someone else. <laughs> he doesn't sleep through taking some sleeping pills or having the room at the optimum temperature of 18 degrees. No. He's able to lay his head on the pillow and sleep. Because he is literally resting in the promises of God. That God will sustain me. He will keep me. He'll keep me through the night. He'll wake me in the morning for another new day. And I think there's, there's something amazing about, about sleep, isn't there? There's a real theology around sleep. Because if you think about it, whenever we go to sleep... We are consciously stepping out of this world almost. You know, sometimes whenever you go to sleep or you see someone else sleeping, you'll say they're dead to the world. It almost, like, it almost is like we are dying whenever we go to sleep. We're laying ourselves down and we're saying to God, God, I know you're in charge. I know that you will never sleep. You will never slumber. You will always Keep me, even when I am not aware of it at all. You'll keep my heart beating in my chest tonight. You'll keep the air going into my lungs. Lord, you will raise me up for a new day tomorrow. Isn't that such a wonderful picture of the gospel and what he does for us in Jesus Christ? We trust him for salvation. Think about that as you lay down on your pillow to sleep tonight. David, he knows that Absalom isn't in charge. God is in charge. And so he rests peacefully. But secondly, look what he does. He is not afraid. He says, I am not afraid. Look at verse six, an incredible verse. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I don't know if you've ever been hunted down by a mass murderer. I haven't. But, but I know that if I was, I'd be terrified for my life. David is surrounded on every side by thousands upon thousands of enemies who seek to take his life, but yet here, amazingly, he says, I will not be afraid. And that phrase, I will not fear or, or do not be afraid, it's seen right throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Over 200 times, God commands his people saying, do not be afraid. And you know what is the most common phrase to accompany that exhortation? For I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Isaiah 41 verse 10, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Psalm 56 verse 11, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Psalm 23 verse verse 4 that we looked at last week with John. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7, Paul, he encourages followers of Jesus Christ to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what will the result of doing that be? Here's what Paul says in verse seven. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. I think this is what David is experiencing here in Psalm 3. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. That doesn't make any sense at all. David believes what I hope we believe as Christians this morning, that our peace isn't found in the absence of hardship. Our peace is found in the presence of Almighty God. As Paul says in another letter in Romans chapter 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, if your life is in him, then you can experience the peace of God which transcends understanding, even when you're going through some of the most difficult things in life, the worst things that you wish no one else to have to go through. Your troubles may be many. They may seem insurmountable right now. They may seem even all-encompassing, like they're crushing you, but you can rest tonight. You can rest in the loving arms of your God. You don't need to be afraid because he is with you He will protect you. He will sustain you. God is David's protector. He's his sustainer. And finally, look at how David knows this peace of God because he knows that God is his savior. God is his savior. Do you notice how David finishes the song by countering the very remark that was leveled against him at the start in verse two? Those people were saying to David, your God isn't going to deliver you. He's nowhere. He's left you. He won't save you. But what does David say at the end of verse 7 and 8? He cries out to the Lord to deliver him because he knows he's there. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. That bit about striking the cheek and breaking the teeth of the wicked, it seems a bit extreme to us, doesn't it? But really what he's saying is, God, silence my foes. Do away with the evil ones. Shut their mouths up. And look what he says with confidence, with total confidence in verse 8. I know that you will deliver me, Lord. I know that you will help me because salvation belongs to you. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's not a a doubt in in David's mind. It's not a, well, it might belong to you. No, God is the one who owns salvation. God is the one whose name is all over salvation. Salvation. God offers salvation to David. He isn't trying to save himself. He isn't looking for the answers within. He's not looking to anyone else to help him either. He knows that only God can. And so he cries out to him. And don't miss that little line at the end. Your blessing be on your people. Because actually, you know this, this song, it, it, it's a, a song, yes, thats about the deliverance of God's king, King David here. But David knows that his deliverance will have implications on all of God's people. If he is delivered, God's people will experience deliverance. If he is victorious over his enemies, God's people will be victorious over their enemies too. And do you see how all of this points us to Jesus Christ? As we look at this psalm through the lens of the gospel, as we we see Jesus' name being whispered through these pages to us, Because all of this points us to to Jesus Christ, the better king, God's anointed king, who, who David foreshadowed, actually. Because like David, God becomes our savior through his anointed king, Jesus Christ. God delivers us from our enemy, sin and death, through his anointed king, Jesus Christ, as he hung on the cross, as he paid the penalty for my sin and for yours, he delivered us. And because God delivered Jesus Christ, his anointed king, from death, after three days in the tomb, he raised him to life again. we know that through faith in Jesus Christ, he will deliver us from death too. See, with Jesus Christ, the worst thing in this life, death, the worst thing is not the last thing. His deliverance becomes our deliverance. His victory becomes our victory. God is our savior in Jesus Christ because salvation belongs to him. And so we, like David this morning, as we remember God's promises, as we rest in the truth of who he is, we, like David, can experience peace, peace, that isn't dependent on our circumstances. In fact, we can experience peace in spite of our circumstances. Horatio Spafford, the great hymn writer, he knew the truth of this. In fact, it's what led him to be able to write the famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Spafford faced suffering of the most tremendous kind in his life, on November 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic on a steamship, a, a, a ship that was carrying Staff, uh, Spafford's wife and his four daughters back to the UK from the States, it was struck by an iron sailing vessel and it killed 226 people, including all four of his daughters. His wife, Anna, she survived And upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to Horatio, which simply read, Saved Alone. And it was as Horatio followed then his family and sailed to England to join his grieving wife that he wrote to him right there at sea. Holding fast to the promises of God, he was able to write, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. In other words, there are the things that he reminds himself here to be true about God and Jesus Christ. That Christ has regarded my helpless estate And has shed his own blood for my soul. Horatio Spafford experienced the peace of God that transcends understanding. A peace that makes no sense because he knew that even in the midst of the darkness, God was his protector, his sustainer, his savior. Do you know that too this morning? Do you know God like that? There is nothing else in this world that can protect you like him. Nothing else that will sustain you like him. Nothing else that can save you like him. Will you come to him this morning and trust in him? Turn your eyes to Jesus Christ. Look to him for salvation. And God's peace will rest on you. This is what the great American evangelist D.L. Moody said as we finish A great many people are trying to make peace for themselves in this life. But that has already been done for us. God has not left it for us to do. All we have to do is enter into his peace offered to us through faith in our Savior Jesus Christ. As we come to the communion table this morning, We come as those who enter into God's peace again, who receive God's peace once again. Because this meal, it it reminds us of the peace that God offers to us through his son Jesus Christ. His blood shed for us on the cross. His body broken for us. Jesus Christ died so that we could have peace with God and Jesus Christ died so that we could have peace safe in his arms forever. If you're a Christian this morning, as you come to the table, take, eat and drink and remember Jesus Christ's death until he comes, until he takes you to be with him forever in a world where there will be no troubles, in a world that will be perfectly peaceful forever. Come, eat and drink and be glad. And if you're not a Christian this morning, This meal isn't for you yet, but you, as you sit this morning, you can receive God's peace in your heart through turning to Jesus Christ, through asking for his help, and through trusting in him. I pray that you would do that. Let me pray for us now. Father, thank you. Thank you for how your word speaks so clearly to us. Thank you for how it reveals to us what you are really like. Lord, I often think if only the world knew what you were really like, if only my friends knew what you were really like, they'd come running to you because you are not a God who turns people away from you. You're not a God who shuts themselves away from others because, well, I don't want to associate with people like that. No, that is not what you're like at all. You open yourself up to us. Sinners, sufferers, those who who struggle in life, you open yourself up and you say, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Peace from now and for all eternity. Lord, may all of us in this room, whether we have been a Christian for for 50 years or for five minutes or whether we're, we're someone who's not yet trusting in you, may we all turn and see you for who you really are. May we all experience your grace and your goodness this morning. May we cry out to you in our need. Lord, asking for you to protect us, to sustain us, knowing that you are our savior, that salvation belongs to you and to you alone. Lord, I pray that for any who are going through really difficult times at the moment that maybe no one else knows about, Lord, that you will speak to them softly this morning and remind them that you know, that you are with them, that you care for them, that you love them. Draw them close to you, Lord. Pull them in and remind them once again of the grace that's poured out for them here as they come forward with the experience joy even amidst their trials. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Let's come to the table.